Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. Nate Antetomaso here in Chicago, Illinois. Evan Knowles down in Lexington, Kentucky. How you doing, my man? I am doing great. Doing great. Better than well. Yeah. Well, it's a good week. It's a good week. Are your allergies getting better? They are. I've been taking some medicine. Um, it's been raining a little bit, so that helps. Nice. So Pushed it's a good week, pollen. man. Nice. No, uh, no allergies is a good week. Nice. That's for sure. I'm waiting for them to hit up here. Oh, um, and I bought some eye drops. I bought some special allergy eye drops, so that's special to mention for sure. Like prescription or just like over the no, counter? No, just you know, over the counter, but they're specifically for allergies, so I feel like they, they helped. Nice. Look at you solving your problems. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, you know, we're recording this intro after we just recorded the episode you're about to hear. Um, it's with uh, Vivid Charts, and Evan, you'll get into that a little bit. Before we do that, I just kind of want to do our standard intro that we haven't done in a few episodes. So first off, thank you guys for listening to Middle Tech. You know, we started this to to shed light on the innovation, the entrepreneurship, the business uh, scene in Lexington and Kentucky and beyond all throughout the Midwest. So uh, thank you for helping us do that by listening and, and spreading the news, spreading the word. Uh, but we want to keep growing, obviously. So please rate this podcast, whether it's on Apple or Spotify or Google or wherever you listen. Give us a rating. You know, review helps as well. And subscribe. So we're always in your feed of podcasts to listen to. You know, the more interaction we get, the higher up we are in the charts and the more people can see it and they're recommended and whatnot. It's all a big algorithm. But whatever you can do to help us out, share it as well. Um, um, you know, just help us get the word out there because if you're listening, you're interested in the in the same things we are. So we're excited to kind of help everybody learn about, uh, you know, the space. Um, we also post, obviously, in our own social. That's at Middle Tech Pod on every platform. Give us a follow. And every week you can find the latest episode and learn more about us and the podcast at middletechpod.com. That's middletechpod.com and at Middle Tech Pod on every platform. So thank you again for listening. We have an awesome episode this week with Vivid Charts. Yeah, yeah, Vivid Charts is exciting. Uh, they're building a, an awesome tool that's built on top of the ServiceNow platform. Uh, mm-hmm. ServiceNow is one of those software companies, you know, SaaS companies that's just growing exponentially because they're building such uh, important infrastructure to companies. You know, they're building... Uh, a product and a platform that really uh, makes a company more efficient and looks at their you know workflows and gives companies tools to make those workflows a lot more efficient so um, you know what what different employees and different groups within companies do every day uh, they are somehow affected by service now if they're um, you know a client of service now so what vivid charts is doing is really special and they'll get into it but essentially they're building awesome data visualization tools um, to give you know the power of data to anybody within the within the company um, that's that's using ServiceNow. So really exciting company, and they're they're based in uh, Lexington. They got a distributed team, but they're based in Lexington. Um, and this is really one of the first episodes where we focused uh, so heavily on the product and uh, the team. You know, Mitch mm-hmm. and Rob, um, and it, it's just uh, felt good to do that uh, on an episode that um, that focused on you know the company itself and the product. Um, they were our first inbound. Which we were talk about, we'll talk about more on the episode. But I yep. uh, just wanted to shoot, you know, give them a shout out and thank them for you know believing in what we're doing and wanting to you know be a part of it and ask to be on it. Uh, it's a special, you know, it's always always a special moment. You know, whether it's a while you're building a company or building a podcast, when you have people come inbound and want to be a part of it without you having to ask, that's 
that's awesome. So it was great to do this episode. So without further ado, here is Mitch Stutler and Rob Walsh, the co-founders of Vivid Charts. Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. Nate Antismaso and Evan Knowles, we are super excited this week. We are joined by the co-founders of Vivid Charts, Mitch Stutler and Rob Walsh. How are you guys doing? We're good. We're great. Thank you guys for joining us today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having us on. We're uh, definitely excited, big fans of the podcast and uh, happy to be here. <laughs> Talk it up to all your friends. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Evan, you uh, you had come in contact with them, and and you thought they'd be a, a great guest for the podcast. You kind of want to go through that to start. Yeah. Well, it's really special because <clears throat> they were actually our first inbound uh, guests. So essentially, yeah. Rob hit me up and was like, "Hey, you know, I'm a big fan of what you guys are doing, and uh, I don't know if." You can get us on, but we're interested in what you're doing, and we'd love to you know, be a guest. I'm like, yeah, you know, let's get you on ASAP because you guys, we'll talk about it later in the episode, but you guys have a special event coming up. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it just made sense, and we were so happy uh, that you guys were our first inbound one. You guys are from Lexington, too. Uh, that's a special kind of moment for the podcast. You know, <laughs> yeah. Trying to you know raise awareness for this in this region of the United States, and it's awesome that now we have people wanting to be on here versus us always going outbound. So, you know, thank you guys for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think uh, just kind of the stuff you all talk about and the goals of the podcast to bring awareness to to technology in the Midwest and the, the Kentucky area, I think that lines up with a point of pride that we like talking about a lot, mm-hmm. you know, starting a company here. So it works out. Yeah, well, we're, we're excited to get into that, but let's just do a quick kind of background on, on both of you guys, give a little context before we get into Vivid Charts. So, you know, where are you guys from? How did you meet? What are, you know, what did you do before this? Just all that kind of stuff. Yes, so Mitch and I are actually both from the same area in northern Kentucky, so just across the river from Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm-hmm. What town? Uh, Fort Wright. Fort Wright. I actually haven't heard of that one. It's a it's a dream. <laughs> Northern is its own like area up there. I feel like it's there's a bunch of towns, but it all just feels like Florence for anybody who's not from there. Yeah, yeah. Everybody thinks of the uh, Florence y'all uh-huh. uh, water tower on their way in for sure. But yeah, <laughs> just a little further north from that, that's where Rob and I are from. Nice. So did you meet in in school or how? Yeah, so we actually have known each other for quite some time. I'm actually a year older than Rob, and he has an older brother who's in my class. And uh, his brother and I were in kindergarten together uh, and then went to the grade, the same grade school, same high school. And mm-hmm. Rob was there the whole way, too. So that's kind of go way back. And then uh, actually our parents live on the same street as well. So we were just a few doors <laughs> down from each other. Well, it's crazy how that worked out then. Now you started a company together. Yeah, it's been a blast. Definitely definitely pretty unique and definitely fun. Mm-hmm. So did you guys go to UK or did you go elsewhere? So I went to UK um, and then Rob went to the University of Cincinnati. And Rob could probably talk a little bit more about that. 
Yeah, yeah. Went to went to UC. Grew up a swimmer, so I was on the swim team there. So I'll give them a shout out. Nice. I uh, I swam too, but I was good enough to be on the team at UK, but I wouldn't have been able to go to any meets. So props to you for being better <laughs> and actually sticking with the sport that everybody loves to hate. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's a uh, it's a unique experience. Mm-hmm. For sure. So you guys went to college uh, elsewhere. You both started your careers, um, and then you you eventually started Vivid Charts together. So can you guys speak a little bit to that? Whoever wants to take that question. Yeah, yeah. So I'll hop in here first, and I'll let Rob kind of talk to his background. But uh, before Vivid Charts, I've kind of spent my whole career in consulting and development on this uh, software platform that I'm sure we'll talk more about here. It's called ServiceNow. Uh, it's kind of like the Salesforce of the IT world, and it's growing, uh, growing a lot wider. So it's in a lot different, a lot of a lot of different arms uh, other than IT. But that's really what my background's been, and so I've been really close to you know what a lot of the customers are using the platform for, and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. So I've kind of had a, a wide array of experience there, and then uh, I'll let Rob hop in on his piece. Yes. Yeah, so. Uh... Yeah, since I'm on the, the business development side of things, after college, I moved out to San Francisco and knew I wanted a career in sales. It turns out there's plenty of software companies out there. So <laughs> started uh, as an SDR in a venture back uh, company out there and mm-hmm. kind of just got a front row seat uh, to uh, kind of viewing the SaaS model and just, uh, you know, kind of watching a company grow and take rounds of capital and take plenty of setbacks and pivot along the way. And I just got to learn from uh, plenty of great people out there. And I still kind of draw on them for, for advice there. And then just kind of continue to stay in, in sales and then technology along the way. Um, so Mitch and I kind of were always in contact throughout that journey. And uh, fast forward to now, we're, we're doing a podcast on it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the uh, the SaaS model. It's it's a totally different. We love talking about it on here because it's yeah. a big it's a big shift in how a business operates and and how the the whole technology is built and how the sales team operates. And we've brought it up a couple of times on the on the podcast, but it's just a it's a really special shift in business because it now puts the focus on. Uh, maintaining that relationship, thus maintaining a really good quality product, uh, and so it's a really special business model. And I'm sure we'll get more into your, you know, to segue, talk a little bit about you know your business model, uh, where the idea came from, and the product a little bit. Yeah, so basically, with my background doing all of the the consulting on the the ServiceNow platform, uh, I kind of started to find a niche where I was doing a lot of the kind of custom UI work for customers, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason. Uh, when somebody wanted like a custom report or a custom chart or something like that, uh, our team kind of decided that that sort of fell in the realm of custom UI. So I had to take it, not that I necessarily had like a data science background or anything like that. But so I kind of realized how much of a struggle it could be to build like a, you know, something custom from the ground up uh, when it comes to reporting on all that data you have on the platform. And I noticed, you know, more and more customers were, kind of asking questions about that and wanting to do things in that area. So it was just something that kind of popped out to to myself as something that had potential to become a company at some point. Um, and, and that's kind of where that idea, you know, sprung from. It's changed a lot since we've started for sure. But 
Uh, that that's kind of where I started to get that inkling was just from hearing the customers ask for it. Really, uh, you know, it definitely helped. You had that inside inside knowledge from that consulting. Um, talk a little bit about the the product and the technology, you know, behind it. Dig a little bit deeper on, um, you know, the the integrations you have and and how you guys are um, doing this. As you have your own, I'm sure you have your own front ends. So talk a little bit about what the tech looks like. Yeah, so it might make a little more sense to talk a little bit more about ServiceNow. So ServiceNow is obviously this huge company. Well, probably not too obvious, but ServiceNow is this huge company that uh, you know most of the the world's biggest businesses use uh, for a bunch of their IT applications and now other applications like HR, finance, project management, things like that. So they've got this growing amount of data sitting in this cloud platform. And ServiceNow has created this partner ecosystem where companies like ourselves can get set up and either be consulting groups, which we're not, or product groups, which we are. So basically, there's a bunch of companies like ours that will create products that sit on top of the ServiceNow technology, mm-hmm. uh, and they actually have their own kind of app store. Uh, similar to like the the Apple App Store, but it's specific mm-hmm. to ServiceNow. So these customers can come buy our app and install it, uh, you know, in their in their version of ServiceNow in their instance. So our our product, really our big differentiator, uh, is that we sit entirely inside of ServiceNow. So uh, when you look at a lot of these business intelligence tools that are out there, they're going to integrate your data out of wherever it's coming from and store it in their own data warehouses or their own servers and do you know whole lots of different things with it? Kind of our niche is that we are really just a visualization and presentation layer that sits directly in a customer's environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, we give them the tool set to really create these pretty unique visuals, these unique reports, infographics, presentations, things like that, without ever having to take that data outside of their environment. So it's kind of like a it's surprisingly a quick conversation when we have to go through all the security loopholes and not loopholes, but uh, I should say jumping through all the loops with them to get our product into a business's environment. It's usually a pretty short conversation. Interesting. What what were they doing before uh, they had you guys? What was the major um, avenue for them to to get any kind of you know visualization or to look at these analytics? Was it just a really bad user experience within ServiceNow? Were they using other tools? What did what did that look like prior? So ServiceNow actually has a great out-of-the-box reporting offering, but it's really geared towards the people who are doing the work on a daily basis inside of the platform. So it's really geared more towards, you know, the, the back office teams, the IT teams, yeah. the resolving mm-hmm. teams. Um, so really what we're replacing is the manual process of people getting data dumps out of ServiceNow into something like Excel, uh, and then taking it into something like PowerPoint, maybe to give a presentation on that data. And there's like a whole litany of issues with that. You've got, you know, stale data. Um, it's potentially faulty. It's insecure, obviously. And then uh, you can't really get to the underlying data very easily like you could if you were in platform with something like Vivid Charts. So really, we're displacing that that manual data prep that pretty much every customer we talk to is experiencing. What what stage of the the business are you guys in? How long have you guys been around? Uh, what's uh, you guys on your first iteration of the product, or what's the, what's your all stage look like? Yeah, so we're uh, we're just over a year into it. We started in uh, we launched in January of 2018, and then just started building basically the most minimal viable product possible. Yeah. <laughs> Got it out sure. there in about 
Yeah, it's the way to go for sure. We uh, just started getting in front of customers, and that's really where Rob came in uh, in a big way. And we started showing them sort of just the ideas we had, and then we got their feedback, and we've been iterating ever since. So I think we're probably on our sixth release since then. So we've been in a pretty rapid release uh, cycle, and uh, the product's definitely grown quite a bit since that, that initial MVP out there. That's awesome. So, so satisfy my my product nerd questions here, and I don't know if any of this is proprietary. You know, share whatever you can. Don't answer okay. whatever you, whatever you can't. But, uh, you know, what what language is the product written in? Where did you find the developers? You know, just being a, a Kentucky based company, um, and we'll talk more about that in the in a, a bit. But I know finding that talent can be really difficult. So, so how did you you get a team together that could you know make such a a, a great product? in the area and, you know, how do you spin it up from nothing? Well, first off, it's really a testament to what ServiceNow has built. So Mm -hmm. uh, we'll probably keep going back and filling in more gaps in the ServiceNow background. Uh, The the guy who founded ServiceNow, his name's Fred Luddy. uh, He actually, you know, started building this platform because he envisioned a, a platform where people could come and build apps without having any coding experience uh, with that said, he wanted it to be flexible enough where if you had coding coding experience, you could do a lot of cool things with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's really kind of the basis of how we were able to build off it. Uh, as far as actual like languages, we we mainly use JavaScript uh, okay. for our actual visualizations. We use a JavaScript library called D3JS, um, which is kind of like the the go to for JavaScript visualization uh, in general. Mm-hmm. But as far as building a team. That's kind of where our blend of skill sets came into play. So just with the the background I had kind of created over the the past six or seven years, uh, I, I was able to do, you know, most of that building myself. Oh, and then okay. Rob, Rob, I was really able to kind of dish off the the whole marketing and sales side of the, the house to Rob and then just uh, obviously help each other out however much, however we can in between there. Nice. Keep it, keep it lean. That's right. It's part of the... Part of that's what the great thing about a team is you guys have complementing skills. Uh, so let's talk about a little bit the sales side of this. You know, how did you guys get those first customers? How did you approach that mm-hmm. that side of growing the business? Yeah, a variety of ways. There's certainly the outbound element where you know we would be reaching out to any customer that we could confirm was using ServiceNow. So that started mm-hmm. with literally going to the ServiceNow website and checking out who's done a customer story with them and, you know, and reaching out to, to folks. And that way, Mitch had mm-hmm. some connections in the ServiceNow world from his years as a consultant. And then just being in the, the Cincinnati, you know, Columbus area, we had some connections in that area as well. Um, uh, there's a services partner in the, the Cincinnati area that's growing like crazy. Uh, they're called Cloud Pyres. Um, they were one of the first people we showed the product to, and, and they saw the need for it pretty immediately. So they were pretty pretty tremendously helpful early on as well. And was that just cold outreach um, for, for the ones that you didn't have the connections to, just plugging it away, putting it out there? Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty cold outreach, you know, just yeah. via email, phone, and then, you know, just kind of in the background trying to develop you know, the partnership I mentioned, and then just try to start to develop a brand and messaging and listen to the the people that would take meetings with us and figure out, okay, where do they see the technology being applied? 
and then trying to put that message in front of you know other companies that we were fa- finding using ServiceNow. Interesting. So you guys, you guys mentioned you're on about the, you've done about six new launches. Uh, those iterations that you're making, the changes you're making, are those driven by the customers? Kind of talk about yeah. you know, how you guys are listening to customers and, and using that to, to fuel your new releases. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, definitely one of the advantages of being bootstrapped. There, there aren't a ton of advantages of being bootstrapped, but that's definitely the biggest one, in my opinion, is we, especially in the beginning, we were kind of scrapping and clawing for any, you know, any business we could get. So if somebody said, hey, I, you know, I like the product, I, I could really buy it if you had, you know, feature X in there. We'd be like, okay, well, let's go build that over the next week or two and uh, get this closed out. And that's really a part where I think the the sales and kind of product teams really align. And I think it's something Rob is really good at. Uh, is Rob's pretty good at kind of challenging me on some of the the product stuff before we put anything into play. If it's some something that he's hearing or some you know somebody on Rob's team is hearing a lot, uh, Rob will kind of you know, bug me about it. Like, Hey, maybe we should think about putting this into the, the product in the next release. So it's definitely been a good relationship in that sense. So you, so Mitch, you are located in Lexington and Rob, you're actually up here in Chicago. So can you speak at all to, you know, being a distributed team, but also, you know, being in Lexington, how that came to be and, you know, why, why you're still down there, Mitch? Yes. So we're, we're set up distributed literally just because this is where we lived at the time that it made sense to do it. Um, So, you know, being distributed, just the two of us, we're pretty close and uh, have a pretty tight trusting relationship. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely easy. Well, I wouldn't say it's easy as as two people, uh, but you're definitely communicating at all times on pretty much any channel that you can imagine. Yeah. Um, But as, as we've added people to the team, that's definitely brought, challenges on you know getting people trained up um what are good cadences to be meeting with everyone and just you know that's going to be an ongoing challenge as we as we continue to grow that's interesting i will tell a story real quick i first found you rob when i was so i'm at a new software startup in lexington and i am currently hiring and looking for sales talent in the sales development role which is uh, the part of the the sales funnel that does the outreach and and takes the leads and and qualifies them and sales talent's really lacking uh, I feel like in Lexington I, I found you Rob when I, I uh, was looking for sales talent I came across I guess one of your SDRs um, <laughs> and I started looking into the company because I hadn't heard about it um, but knowing how scarce talent is and I saw that you guys had looked into the company I saw you guys were a startup. I wanted to respect that and not reach out to your SDR. <laughs> You're trying to poach how, their SDR. Uh, hey, I was not going to lie. If I had not looked at the company and, and saw that there were a startup, I might have tried. But no, it's just funny that uh, that's how I met you. Yeah, well, very much appreciated. And we, we've had good <laughs> good help along the way. So that <laughs> that makes me feel good. Yeah, well, talk to the, you know, talk a little bit more to the, the Lexington piece there. Um, on you know, you guys mentioned that when you 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 pitch companies or uh, you speak about vivid charts that you love talking about the Lexington factor. Speak a little bit about that and why why that's so special to you. Obviously, you guys uh, didn't grow up here, but um, you grew up in Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. So we uh, like Rob was saying, it, it kind of just made sense in the beginning because it was where we were located. So I was here in Lexington. Rob was in Chicago. 
Uh, and, you know, we were both working remotely from our own homes. And then, you know, as we kind of got further down the road and, uh, you know, oftentimes like our, our contracts will go across the CIO's desk of, you know, these huge companies. And it kind of just started getting a little nerve wracking having my home address on there. It looked a little, <laughs> looked a little Bush league at times. So we knew we were getting ready to, you know, start adding some team members too. So we decided it was just time to kind of hop in and uh, you know, get an office space there. And it, it's definitely a strength in the sense that it, I'm sure you guys, well, I know you all talk about it all the time and you know what's happening with, you know, all of these, these big companies are realizing there's, there's potentially better places to find talent or, you know, cultivate talent mm, than outside yeah. of the traditional powerhouses. And so that's why it's kind of become a strength because it is something different. I'm pretty sure we're the only I, I'm actually almost like 100% sure we're the only service now partner in Lexington, Kentucky, um, and probably just one of, I don't even know how many in Kentucky, maybe maybe no. two or three, but I kind of doubt it. So it's definitely like a unique uh, differentiator, and it's kind of something that people, especially who are you know following the tech scene, kind of want to be behind as well as you know the the non-traditional cities who are you know creating and starting and growing these these small companies. Interesting. One of the, it's interesting you brought up that you're the only partner of, of ServiceNow or, or servicing that that product in this in this area. One thing that we spoke to Wendy Lee about, uh, we she actually didn't speak about it on the episode, but we spoke to her about it on the phone before we recorded. Was one of the things she mentioned that she does whenever she goes into a, a market and tries to bring more innovation and work with the startups is she makes sure that the big uh, established companies in those markets are using the latest forms of of software. So, for instance, yeah. whether it's Salesforce or ServiceNow um, or or Zoom, you know, she wants to make sure that the infrastructure that these large companies are using um, is is as up to date as possible. Because what she doesn't want is people talent leaving these big corporations and not knowing how to use the latest tools that a lot of big companies. Um, out of the Silicon Valley or New York and startups are being built on now. Um, and so it's interesting that uh, you guys are bringing more, it's awesome actually, you guys are bringing more interest uh, or um, awareness to the ServiceNow platform in this area because it it's becoming just like many other softwares, infrastructure for companies and companies can't really function without it um, once they get so deep into some of these platforms. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a great point. I'll be honest, I, didn't, I hadn't heard of ServiceNow before we started talking to you guys, and I like to think I'm a, a tech-minded person, so I think that you you definitely found a niche there in, in Kentucky. I'm excited to see you guys grow along with the platform in the area. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's as you all know, it's obviously a wave, just like any, you know, any software platform out there. Um, but we, we definitely feel like it's a rising wave with the, the ServiceNow world. It's had some pretty rapid growth over the past 10 years and uh, yeah. we don't think it's stopping anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So we, we felt pretty good hopping in and, you know, starting to build into that ecosystem. For sure. Do you have any clients locally either in, in Lexington or the Midwest or is it just kind of everywhere? So yeah, I'll let Rob hop in on that. Uh, and none, none right here in Lexington. We're, we're working mm-hmm. on some, but none today. Yeah, none in Lexington, but uh, kind of like you were talking about with getting the biggest companies of the area to adopt, you know, the infrastructure that allows innovation. Cincinnati, Columbus, Lexington, and Louisville have quite 
quite a few, I mean, most of the large organizations in all of those places are using ServiceNow, have been using ServiceNow, and are expanding on the platform pretty rapidly. Mm-hmm. And, and something they do that ServiceNow does really well is bring their customers together um, for different events so they can meet, share ideas, and, and kind of develop a community in their different markets. So that's something we were really able to leverage a lot, just trying to, to you know, be in the Cincinnati, the Columbus, the Lexington ServiceNow communities. And it was definitely a big part of our goals just from the start is to make that a, a footprint and a point of pride to to have a good presence in those areas and have really good relationships close to home. That's awesome. I think that gives you some good some good press and awareness locally too, just kind of being involved in the community. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely part of the plan. We haven't gotten any any big press uh, outlets <laughs> yet, but certainly uh, kind of wearing the the business development and marketing we- hat these days uh uh it, it's in the it's in the works for so, sure hey uh, we we struggle with that too i mean we're kind of in an interesting spot because we're kind of media but we also you know we kind of want to work with some some bigger platforms and you know some existing recognized places and that's i mean that's why we started this because the they're just not finding these stories related to technology interesting so so we're in that fight together yeah absolutely and that's when you know rob and i first spoke that's what i told him you know, the whole reason, one of the big fuels of, of middle, middle tech was Nate and I were at a, a startup in like something called Fuji. Uh, you know, we've spoken about Fuji several times on this podcast, but what Fuji's doing belongs in Silicon Valley or LA or New York. You know, it's a startup that has huge, um, you know, brand awareness in, in major markets. And it's a product that uh, is very innovative, first of its kind, and should be in the news all the time based on you know who Fuji was working yep. with and the brands that they were bringing into Kentucky and on a weekly um, basis, on a daily. Yeah, I mean, mentioning yeah. you know associating that with Kentucky, um, we never got any you know, hardly any local press, and that was really, um, really not. That's not good. You know, that's a problem because when you want to grow a tech ecosystem and you want talent to be attracted to a market. You have to show off what's already there. You know, you have to show off this cool stories and um, everything that's special uh, going on there. And uh, so that's what we're trying to do. And uh, I'm glad you guys are uh, aware of the problem and, and trying to. The fact you guys reached out to us shows that uh, you know you guys are aware and, and trying to fix it. So that's awesome. Um, speaking of awesome things that, that should get <laughs> should get press. Great transition. Let's, let's talk about uh, what you guys are pitching and that whole competition you guys are are joining and have gotten so far along uh, along so far. Yes, so we are competing in the what's called the CreatorCon Challenge, which is hosted at ServiceNow's annual conference. So called Knowledge Nineteen. It's coming up here in about three weeks, and the ServiceNow Ventures arm hosts the competition, doing everything from collecting entrants, sifting through the applicants, uh, you know, interviewing down selectees, and then kind of mentoring the finalists they pick, and then uh, selecting a winner to invest in, actually. So uh, we've been going through that process over the last couple of months. Um, we were down selected as one of the six to, to kind of pitch in front of a smaller team, and then of those six, we were one of three finalists picked to actually pitch on stage kind of Shark Tank style uh, on one of the stages at the conference. So we've been gearing up for that recently and are pretty excited about it. 
That's awesome. Who are the uh, the judges? Do you know? Yes. Yeah, so so it's a, a team of venture capitalist judges uh, from various venture firms, and then actually the founder of ServiceNow is one of the judges. So that's uh, like a pretty big draw for for us personally, <laughs> yeah. and then everyone at the conference as well. That's so cool. That's, that's awesome. huge. What's the what's the prize look like? So the the winner gets a two hundred fifty thousand dollar investment from the ServiceNow Ventures arm, and then uh, an additional sales and marketing package to kind of bolster up market traction and adoption. So definitely definitely some good things on the line. That's awesome. Yeah. So then the ServiceNow Venture arm would would take a piece of equity, right, as an investment. Yes, correct. So it is an investment. So there mm-hmm. would be equity involved. So if we were to win, you know, there'd be conversations taking place after that uh, to kind of work all, all that stuff out. But it is an investment. So it would yeah. involve equity. That's exciting, that's, uh, though. I think that yeah, that's real. a huge accomplishment if, if that were to, to happen. And obviously, we, we wish it does. That's that's going to be exciting if, if they make a direct investment into the Vivid Charts platform. Yeah. And, what is, have you guys looked into, uh, I'm sure they've been doing this uh, for a while, or um, what's, what is, have they acquired any of the companies that they invest in? What does that look like? I know you guys, uh, you know, shouldn't be looking, you know, that far ahead, but certainly you're thinking about it. Um, what have you guys looked into that side of it? Yeah. So I, at least to my knowledge, I don't think they've actually acquired any of the companies that have won the creator con challenge or been part of it. Um, but I, I do believe they've been, they've acquired quite a few companies over the past three years or so, uh, even going further back from that. And I do think the ventures team plays quite a bit in that, um, not just with the investment part of it, because they'll usually attach with like a, a series A or a series B round, you know, with a more reputable VC firm. Um, but yeah. also just with like the, the product strategy uh, throughout their organization. So they're kind of that. Uh, liaison, I think, between what's out there and what they they want to have as part of their product lineup. Um, so it's definitely a, a good group to be in touch with mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of reasons. But um, yeah, it definitely something that uh, I, I think they have invested in some of the companies that they've ultimately acquired too. Yeah, nice. makes sense. I know Salesforce is really big on that. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, they invest and then they ultimately end yeah. up acquiring eventually. Um, you know, just just. Tough question, but if I'm sitting across from you and you're you're pitching to me, and one of my questions might be, "Well, if I'm service now, yeah. what's keeping me from building your product? You know, <laughs> what's keeping the same me thing. from uh, from from doing exactly what you guys are doing?" Speak a little bit to how you'd answer that. Yeah, there's there's really a lot of reasons, but I think the biggest one is they they really want to you know create this this partner ecosystem where they don't want to be doing all of the heavy lifting themselves they don't want to do all the exploring themselves and figuring out you know what what the customers actually need on their own so when they have all these different partner companies who are you know totally invested in what's going on with ServiceNow uh, and you know taking an idea to a product taking it to market getting business it, it really takes a lot of the risk out of it for them and so it's something mm-hmm. they always want to cultivate and I, I think as soon as they go head to head with a, a partner who's found, you know, quite a bit of early traction, like I, I feel like we've been able to find, I feel like that's where you're going to start creating that, you know, basically that that wall or that roadblock for future companies to enter the marketplace where, you know, they're they're going to look at that story and be like, well, you know, these guys were doing everything they could to, you know, be great partners and then 
ServiceNow went to build it, went to build exactly what they were doing. Why, why would we we want to enter that uh, you know marketplace? So I, I think that's a big barrier. Like I said, lots of reasons, but in my mind, that's the one uh, that makes me feel best about it. Is that they they really they really push their partner ecosystem and try to help it grow as much as they can. That's yeah, a great that's perfect, answer. Perfect answer. You, sure. you, if I was a potential investor, you eased my worry right there. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Well, you know, it's for Rob and I, it's not just uh, easing an investor. It's, you know, easing our own minds too. Sure. So it's something we talk about quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure that was a, a huge, you know, piece at the beginning of the, you know, the process of, of starting the company, um, which we haven't really talked about that yet. Can you guys talk at all about, um, you know, when did you decide to to jump in, you know, jump to the deep end and and decide to, to go full time and really, you know, just start being entrepreneurs? And, and you know, how did that very early time kind of go? Not necessarily with the product, but even just like situationally and mentally and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like Rob had kind of alluded to earlier, we uh, had always been in contact, especially once Rob moved out to San Francisco and I was already kind of in the tech space. Uh, you know, we had always been talking about potentially doing something together at some point, just because the way we get along and, you know, kind of our complementary skill set, we're kind of just waiting for the right moment. I'd been working with, uh, for the last two years of my consulting career there, I was working with a a big group called Accenture, uh, who is really one of the best and is one of the best at the the, the ServiceNow consulting world. Um, And so with that, it was just one of those things where I was kind of getting a little burnt out on the consulting game, not because of Accenture, but just in general, I'm a, you know, I'm a builder. I like to build things. And one of the cool things about consulting is you get to help customers build things every day, but then you kind of have to walk away after the project's done. I wanted an ongoing, (laughs) an ongoing build, ongoing build where we're building something every day and working towards the dream and helping customers solve these problems. So it was just kind of a point where, Rob and I, you know, just at the points we're at with our, you know, our lives, uh, you know, neither of us have kids yet. We, you know, have pets. We don't have anything major <laughs> going on. We th- we thought it was a good time to hop into it. We know how risky it is. So uh, we thought now is the time to give it a go um, and, and kind of just work through it. That makes a ton of sense. I, I totally understand, uh, you know, kind of getting burnt out by going project to project. I, uh, I, I got that at, at my previous job as well. It's great to just be part of something that's continually growing. Right. Which, you know, all those consulting groups we talk about there, they are, uh, you know, continually growing. So it's fun to be part of that too. But I, I personally was just looking for, you know, something a little bit different that I, you know, could really have a lot of impact on personally. Mm-hmm. For sure. Makes sense. So talk about, you know, the entrepreneurship, there's so much that goes into it, but uh, you know, one of the questions that entrepreneurs often get at, get asked is, what's your number one piece of advice? I know that's a very loaded question because so much goes <laughs> into it. But if somebody's wanting to become an entrepreneur and just start something, uh, Rob and Mitch, what would, what would your answer be to that question of, uh, you know, what's what's the advice that you would give them? Yeah, I want to hear Rob's. Go ahead, Rob. <laughs> uh, I would say go for it and, like, put something out there as a test maybe and and see how it gets responded to it doesn't have to be all put together um but start putting your ideas out there don't don't hide them by any means and and start getting feedback on them from people that you know would have an opinion on it and then Mm -hmm. you know once you get that feedback 
be prepared to do the actual building of it. So um, as a bootstrap startup, anything that you want to do, any idea that you have, uh, it's on you to go and actually uh, implement it. So definitely get the ideas out there, get feedback on them, and then be prepared to, to take action on them and, and try and build things yourself and learn along the way. I like that. What about you, Mitch? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I always look back on it starting off. I, I think the thing that has let us have, it, you know, it let us had any sort of success is the fact that we've had this complementary skill set. So, it, you know, you could have the greatest tech in the world. You could be like an independent developer or something like that and just create something, you know, earth shattering. But if you don't have a way to take it to market, it, it doesn't matter at all. So I think if you could find a teammate or at least have a strategy in place for how you're going to get that in front of customers, it's going to help you tremendously. Um, and I think that's something we did, obviously, from the get go was we knew it wasn't just about building the product. It was also about <laughs> finding somebody to buy it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, on this podcast, we always want to talk about uh, growing the community. And then one of our favorite parts of every episode is, you know, asking you guys how you guys um, feel about the community. How is it supporting you? What can you do better? Um, so, so to start that conversation, what do you love about, about you know, starting a company in Lexington? What are some of the things that you've noticed that um, are major positives for starting a company here? Yes. Yeah, so... It- I've actually spent some time in, I lived in Manhattan for about a year. Then I lived in uh, Nashville for about three years. And, you know, especially with Nashville's rapid growth that was going on, when I look back at that, one of the things that I think is playing a big part in it is that it really has an identity. So obviously, you know, the the music is Nashville's identity. So it's Mm -hmm. just something that draws people there. It makes people feel proud to be part of the area. I know it's something you guys talk about in your podcast all the time that, you know, Lexington really has that identity as well. So, you know, not just with horse racing, but you've got the bourbon industry, you've got all this stuff going on. And I think it really has an identity. And it's one of, it's just one of those unique places that people could say, oh, yeah, I'm from Lexington and I'm, you know, I'm proud of it. It's not just like a, a, another city that's out there. It, it's definitely unique and definitely has an identity. For sure. And I, I think that, you know, I have shared my opinion on that all the time. I think that identity is is such an asset to the community. And, and I hope the community leverages that versus being only that. Right. I think so, too. And I, I think the fact that it is that core identity, especially when you think about maybe the people who have been here for, you know, 50 years and don't like change as much as others do. I think if they could get behind the fact that what's keeping people around here is the identity, they might be a little bit more open to the changes that are going on. Um, Just knowing that it's all built around that core identity. So I I think that should help, but we'll we'll definitely see here going forward. For sure. So, you know, with, with all positives come some negatives. So, you know, is there in the in the year and a few months that you've been in business, have you been surprised by, you know, any pushback or, or anything in the Lexington community that, you know, you think could be better and, and could help it grow to be the, the entrepreneurship community we all want it to be? So this is more on us just because we've been so busy with everything we've been trying to build here in the past year or so, but we just haven't really, you know, dove into the Lexington startup scene and community. So we really haven't, you know, we, we haven't put our best foot forward to try and, you know, 
try to get in that realm and it's something we're going to do a better job of going forward. So I really don't have a, you know, anything bad to say about what Lexington is doing right now, uh, especially as a startup. I think it's been very hospitable. I, you know, everybody gets behind these small businesses. So I, I don't mm-hmm. have much bad to say um, it, right now. Just, I, I, I need to get us more into that, that Lexington startup community for sure. Cool. Rob, did you have any thoughts either way? Yeah, I would just say in terms of the community, the community happens from events and, and you know, different organizations partnering with each other. And as big as Chicago is, I'm sure it wasn't easy to foster a, a startup community that mm-hmm. actually communicates with one another, you know, in such a massive city. So I think to, to Mitch's point, so many companies are, are heads down. But a lot of it is just showing up and going to events when somebody puts the effort to put them on and, yeah. and meeting people that are, are trying to do similar things that you are. And that's something I've definitely recently tried to to press more in the Chicago area is just, you know, find events that are happening in person and go and support the people that are, are trying to develop the community. So I think that that's a big part of it, too. For sure. Yeah. One thing one thing I've noticed in the Chicago area is just how in your face those events are and they, they're really good at getting uh, the word out. Um, you know, there's a, a few different organizations and platforms I'm thinking of right now that they just make sure that they are active in bringing people together. And, and that's something that, you know, that we've noticed in the Lexington area as well that, that could improve and we're, we're excited to be part of that. Yeah, I'd say... Those are email lists I don't mind being on. Exactly. So, I get them every day. <laughs> somebody start up an email list in Lexington. Oh, we're we're uh, we're talking about it. It's part of the <laughs> part of the strategy with the middle tech. So. Sure. And awesome Inc. You know, shout out to them. They're doing awesome things in Lexington. Uh, Mitch, you know, I'm happy to introduce you to some guys there. I'm sure you you've heard of them and might even know people there, but yeah. you know, they're they're an awesome community that's doing uh, they're probably, I think, the only community really doing what they're doing uh, in Lexington, and so uh, definitely should should try to meet some people there. And I'm happy to help. And um, you know, they've always got some great resources. That was one thing with, you know, it's it's awesome to hear you guys are heads down. And you should be, uh, but at Fuji, we were the same way. You know, we didn't yeah. do a whole lot within the community. Um, you know, right from the get go, when we were growing as quickly as we should, or as quickly as we w- we were. Uh, you know, just like you guys, we didn't have a whole lot of time to really do a whole lot of events or um, pay too much attention to local community. One, because, you know, we're so busy. Two, none of our clients were in Kentucky. Right. We didn't have a single, mm-hmm. single client here. And so you guys are kind of in the, the same boat, it sounds like. But I think it should go both ways. You know, I definitely understand that, you know, you're busy, you got your head down because I was there too with, with Fuji. But at the same time, I think, uh, you know, startups should want to, you know, engage and at some point, um, you know, get more connected and because uh, one, you know, investors could pop up to talent uh, and then three, uh, it's just good for the community. It grows, uh, you know, rising, rising, uh, rising tide lifts all boats, I think is the, is the phrase. That's there. right. And then now that I'm connecting the dots in my head, that's how we met because I wanted Fuji to do something for Dance Blue when I was involved with Dance Blue. Yeah. Yeah. I had, you know, I, I, uh, I definitely wanted to get the word out about Fuji. I was doing my best and speaking to UK classes and that's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you approached me after one of those classes and wanted to do something. And that's awesome. That's how, that's how we met. And I think it just makes sense that we're continuing to, you know, partner on that kind of stuff. But 
but yeah, I mean, I think it's so important for, for startups to uh, not only get support from the community, but to support the community in turn. So we always like to end the podcast with a, a forward-looking statement. And we, we kind of talked about, um, you know, the, the current state of, of Lexington and, you know, touch on Chicago a little bit as well. But where do you guys see, you know, both on a, a macro scale, you know, the whole Midwest to loop Chicago in, but even on a micro scale, just Lexington, where do you see the entrepreneurship community going, the technology community going, um, you know, whether that's that's tied to Vivid Charts or, or just in general, you know, how, how are you optimistic about the future? Yeah, yeah, I would just say the, you know, it's it's no small effort to get things going in a certain area, but it's definitely happening. Uh, I'm definitely a podcast listener, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, across a variety of subjects, and I've heard it brought up plenty of times. Just different Midwest cities starting to get love and recognition for talent coming out of universities and companies. Uh, you know, being founded there or new locations or, or headquarters moving to, to cities that you wouldn't expect. So um, I think that's a major positive note. And, you know, it's it's a, a big area of growth. And I think we're going to keep seeing that happening. And and they're great places to live. So I think I think you guys are, are going to be a part of that. And I think it's it's a major positive direction. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I kind of echo all of that. It's, you know, we talked about how service now is a wave and we feel like we're, you know, at that bottom of the wave and it's rising and we, we hope to be rising with it. I also just in, you know, the, the few years I've lived here, I uh, can definitely tell Lexington's rising and, you know, it's it's really just a hell of a place to live. Just love being here. I love every day of it. And I, I think a lot of people are starting to realize that. And it's uh, I, I think it's only going up. <laughs>